Welcome to Compliance Hero Podcast. This is Lynn Farrell with TrueLiant Risk Advisors, and Compliance Hero is a podcast for compliance professionals in the financial services industry. You can subscribe to the podcast at treliant.com, that's T-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com, through the Apple Podcast Store or through the Google Play Store. Today, my guest is Kara James. Kara is the Chief Compliance Officer at RFS Bank, which is a regional bank in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas. And she's going to tell us five things compliance professionals need to know about the bank's culture or the financial institution's culture. Kara, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lynn. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Why don't you give us a little tiny bit about your background before we start? Okay. I have... uh been in banking for about 29 years, nearly 29 years. I've been in compliance since 1992, so many, many years in compliance. I've seen uh, the profession evolve quite a bit. I started out as a mortgage compliance officer, and I uh, became a corporate compliance officer. I've worked in audit, and prior to being in banking, I was in public accounting. I am a CPA and a CRCM. Um, but I don't remember very much about accounting. It's <laughs> <No, that's laughs> too many years ago. That's probably the best. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming uh, with us today. Kara also presents at Treliance Leadership <laughs> Institute for Compliance Professionals, and she talks about culture and does a whole presentation on it, and she's going to give us a little mini version of it here today with her five things. Kara, what's the first thing compliance officers need to know? The first thing I think is very important for compliance officers to know and accept is the impact of culture on our leadership challenges and on how we must lead as compliance officers. You know, Why, Let me ask, stop you there. Okay. Why is it hard for them to accept it, do you think? I think um, compliance officers tend to get very hyper-focused on their job and there's so many mandates that they must fulfill that they... Um, tend to think that there's one way of doing things and really what you have to ask yourself is what are you trying to accomplish and how are you going to do that within the corporate culture that you exist in. Okay. All right. So that's uh, number one is to accept the culture for what it is basically. Is that a a good To To accept and to understand and to acknowledge the impact that culture plays in how you go about doing your job. Not that it changes. Uh, your goals and what you're trying to do in your organization, but it can impact the how. Um, It's really about the way we do things, and it definitely impacts our ability to get things done. You know, a compliance leader must be very closely aligned to the culture uh, to implement an effective program. We can have all the technical ability in the world, we can have excellent communication skills, but the third thing we really need to have is the ability to navigate the culture of whatever organization we're working in at the time. It can be dangerous to be too counterculture. There's always a little bit of um, you know, health around you know, pushing an organization to be a certain way, but certainly you want to be able to work within the culture to be the most efficient you can be and convince and persuade your business leaders to um, accept their compliance obligations and to help you uh, help them mitigate the risk in the organization. It's interesting because in 1991, or whenever you said you started, back in the early 90s, mm-hmm. I would have said anybody that have said a compliance officer should be able to impact the culture, I would, we would have thought that was crazy. Talk, Absolutely right? not. We were very much backroom people. Um, we weren't seen very much. We didn't attend meetings very much. 
we were more kind of after the fact folks that that really almost reviewers that took a look at what was going on. Maybe they would involve us occasionally in something at the front end, but that was really only if the business line uh, perceived a need and frankly wanted to save themselves some time. Um, typically, we were in the back room reviewing and trying to, you know, shoving out memos and that kind of thing, and that's really all anyone saw or heard of us. And certainly, the role has changed quite a bit as, if, as we've become more uh, an effective business partner, and it's very clear in the regulatory environment that compliance has to be integrated into all parts of the operation, all parts of our business units. Um, it's very clear that we are part of that culture. And in order to persuade and move the program forward, we have to understand that and, and do some analysis. Sit back and really understand, particularly when you go to work at a new organization, what's the culture like and how do I adapt my compliance goals to this culture? That's great. So um, understand the culture and the impact it has. What's number two? Number two is understanding and kind of having a sense of the different types of cultures you might encounter. Um, and I just have some examples here. You know, first, uh, you can have a very autocratic culture, more of a top-down type of culture where there's potentially less room for employee feedback. And this type of culture can stifle communication, which can certainly um, lead to poor results. Employees often feel left out. Maybe there's some confusion. Um, and the rank and file has the feeling that maybe they don't matter so much. So that's just one type of culture you might experience. Um, there are democratic cultures. Democratic cultures can feel good um, where everyone's voice is heard, but they can be inefficient. You can be uh, slow in making decisions in a company like that. It, the decisions themselves may seem safe, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are the better decisions. Um, I've experienced this type of culture in various organizations I've worked for where decisions were more shared. Um, again, they can be decisions that people really buy into, but at the same time, it's not necessarily the right decision. We've been hearing about the groupthink phenomena, which happens when you have a democratic culture where people just want to follow the crowd, basically, and not rock the boat. Right. And you can make the argument, then, that decisions or, or tactics or process gets watered down to some degree mm -hmm. because there's so many different people involved in them. Um, there are very employee-centric cultures where the well-being and the empowerment of the employees can be paramount. Um, in those cases, you can sometimes lose sight of the shareholder needs or the customer needs. Sometimes, you know, I've heard that referred to as a clan mentality. You know, in a very employee-centric organizations can be wonderful to work in as long as they are also very effective in terms of meeting shareholder and customer needs as well. Um, Customer-centric uh, cultures where the customer is always right no matter what. Um, oftentimes, employees may take risks for their customers. Um, and can lose sight of what's best for the bank. So, you know, really, no organization probably fits one of these types. You really kind of probably have a cross-section of these things, but these are, the, these are the elements of culture that you are looking for that you want to understand. Um, in addition, there's what I call a number-centric organization, where shareholder value is the most important thing. It's all about the numbers, very focused on efficiency ratios. And, you know, that kind of a culture can lead to uh, lack of job security because it's perceived and probably true that the organization has a shorter term view. Um, and so, you know, you might see in that organization a lot of um, uh, reductions in force, that kind of thing. And I think when associates believe all that matters are the numbers, they feel like their value is lost somewhere. 
um, hierarchy-oriented. Uh, you must be very careful. That's typically a more formal environment, so you must be very careful in that environment. Um, understand the communication style and the methods of, of working that, that actually work in that company. Um, you have to understand how to navigate the culture in, a, in an acceptable way. It's very much a follow-the-rules type of organization. And then there's a, a type of culture I read about that I think is a very interesting word. It's adhocracy-oriented, which is when um, an organization is very entrepreneurial. They um, very much value doing things first, doing them early, being very innovative, and that culture can be very exciting, but it can certainly be a more difficult culture for compliance. Um, so, Well, I have a question there. Can compliance function well? Is it possible to function well in all those types of cultures? Uh, I, um, it's possible to function, I would say. Again, I don't think there's any organization that's necessarily one of these things. Typically, they're going to have more than one element to them. I think it's, it's, this is more about awareness. Actually stopping and thinking, you know, what is the culture of this organization and how does that impact the way I go about communicating with business leaders, communicating with the board, um, you know, to what level do I um, have to socialize ideas and thoughts with people before I push them out, you know, what is the acceptable behavior and method of communicating in this organization. Okay. Well, that's great. The second, the second thing is to be aware of the culture that you're operating within. To be aware and, and understand the various types to where you can, you can kind of start to put some language around it and define the culture of your own organization. Okay, what's the third thing? The third thing is really assessing the culture. I'm gonna say this is probably the most important. Um, actually doing an assessment, understanding the various kind of types of culture that you're looking for. You know, what kind of factors are we looking at? I think you can assess a culture starting out with some um, review of the values of the business. So, you know, we all have, or most of us have, stated mission statements, vision statements. Um, and, and there can sometimes, unfortunately, be a difference between the stated mission, vision, and values of an organization and what the company actually um, demonstrates or how it comes across to its employees. So you really want to say, you know, what does the company say about itself? And then what do we feel being an employee of that company? What behaviors are acceptable? What are common practices? How are decisions made? What type of leadership and communication styles seem to work in that company? And I'll just drill down on that a little bit. You know, in our, um, in our value statement, we use a lot of terminology like integrity and teamwork. And, and these are some of the common um, statements you'll say. Excellence, commitment, honesty, respect, those kinds of things. So you really need to stop and say, okay, I know what we say about our company. We may even say it out loud, for example, to the regulators or, you know, in employee meetings. We might say, this is what we value. Um, but what do you feel in terms of how you're treated, how um, communication exists, how problems are solved in that organization? True values are tested by employees really based on their own experiences. Um, we look to behaviors. We see behavior all around us. I think demeanor and communication inside and outside of meetings. How transparent is an organization? Uh, do there appear to be personal agendas? Um, alignments between personnel that you may or may not understand. I think the best advice in this situation is to be very careful about this. A compliance person really needs to stay above you know, some of these um, personal agendas and alignment 
uh, amongst personnel. Um, behavior about the importance of personal relationships, social interaction um, among associates. How, what type of behavior do you see in the organization around anger, frustration, disappointment? Um, how do we su celebrate success and how do we handle failure as an organization? And I think, you know, in terms of executive communication and compliance, you really have to understand what type of executive communication is expected and what's the method for doing that. I mean, is this an organization where um, you can have longer discussions with the board, you can go into more details, you can have more ad hoc type of discussions, or is this a place that's pretty buttoned up? and you need to really have your few talking points and kind of your elevator speech ready. So there's a lot that you can observe about behaviors to assess the culture of your own organization. That's sort of like make sure they're, they're doing what they say they're doing. Exactly. Right? If we're a culture of respect and uh, allowing people to express their opinions, do they really do that? Exactly. Or when they actually have meetings and there's actual conflict, how do they act? Exactly, right. and I think whether you're coming to a new organization or you maybe you've been elevated to uh, a, a position of more responsibility, you need to understand what behaviors work, what's acceptable and what's not. Again, always in with the goal of pushing the compliance program further and effectively and honestly communicating expectations to business leaders across the company. Um, another very important thing in, in terms of assessing the culture is looking at common practices and how decisions are made in your company. Um, how does problem solving occur? Do they call a meeting and get everybody involved? Um, what, what is the, um, is it just a couple of select individuals in your company that kind of close ranks when something occurs? How, how are problems solved? How does your organization feel about employee empowerment? Employee empowerment sounds great, but it can be very difficult for compliance people if there's a constant kind of mantra that tells an, an individual on the front line they can do whatever they think is appropriate. That, you know, we flinch a little bit when we ha hear that. I work for an organization that actually in a document said, you know, we empower our employees to, you know, I don't even remember what the rest of it was. All I know is that caused me all kinds of grief because, you know, we had employees then that felt like they had the discretion to waive fees when, uh, you know, it was against policy and procedure and that kind of thing. They believed they had more discretion in their daily job. And, of course, in compliance, sometimes we have to limit that discretion to mitigate our compliance risk. And so sometimes those things kind of butt up against each other. Um, does your organization have a real commitment to training? Or is training is seen as something that you want to do as little as possible because it infringes on, you know, employees actually doing their day jobs? How do you socialize ideas, concerns um, in the organization? What's appropriate? Is it one of these organizations where you better have it all wrapped up before you go into a meeting? Or is it a place where you actually can do some real work in, in deciding and discussing an issue within the context of a meeting? Um, when do you involve board or executive management when you have a concern, when you need to escalate an issue? What's appropriate? Um, if you're not comfortable with that, you know, then um, what's another mechanism that's appropriate within your organization to be heard? Transparency and communication, I think it, it says a lot about a company in terms of how openly they will discuss things that don't go well. Mm -hmm. Maybe we didn't meet financials. 
Maybe you know we didn't win uh, you know some business we wanted to win. Um, maybe we have compliance matters or other regulatory matters. How transparent is the company in discussing those? Because you know you you need to have a good understanding and and do what's appropriate at that company. And then just generally levels of bureaucracy. Every company has some. Um, you know where does it exist in your company and and how will you work through it? So really common practices and decision making. So that's really you know assessing the culture. Those are the kinds of things you're looking to to help you um, assess you know what the culture looks like in the organization you're trying to work in. And then I think the fourth thing really is moving on to adaptation. Um, adaptation, to the culture. adaptation to the culture. Yes, um, actually understanding it and how to, then does that culture influence how you do your job? Um, again. Uh, we must be closely aligned to the culture to be effective. We have to find a way to reconcile that culture to the regulatory reality. Um, you know, we have to be able to translate what's going on in, in the environment and what our needs are to be a compliant organization. Um, we have to translate that to our business leaders and, and doing that in a respectful and appropriate way to where you will actually be heard is very important. I think you know it's very important for compliance people to reflect a passion for what they do and to have a very collaborative attitude, um, not just in, you know, in form but in substance as well. Um, we need to exhibit a lot of energy and some resilience in our work. Um, we need to be ensuring that bank employees understand that our role is to mitigate risk to the bank but also to ensure that consumers and customers are treated in a fair, transparent and compliant way. You know, the compliance program may require change. Change may be necessary. We need to operate in a way that gives us the best chance for success. We cannot be seen as being detached. I've seen compliance officers make this, and compliance staff make this mistake. We can't act like we're not part of this business. We can't act like we don't work for the same bank our business units do. Uh, we will not be successful. It will definitely become an us and them because type of situation. I guess that the old, they just don't fit in, kind of? Exactly. And comment. I think, you know, I have heard that comment at every bank I've ever worked for. Um, this About person somebody. fits. This person just didn't fit our culture. You need to make sure that you're seen as being, you know, fitting and being appropriate to the culture. Of course, assuming it's a health, generally a healthy culture you're working in. If not, that's a whole other conversation. But you need to understand it and, and, and know how to get things done um, in a way that's expected in that organization. Communication is key. Um, you have to, you know, communicate clearly as possible and as expected. There are ways that every organization believes communication should occur and you have to understand that. I always say that communication should be more not less. You know, in our organization, our CEO famously says all the time, wow, there's no such thing as over-communication in this company. You can't say things too many times. There's so many players. We have a certain amount of autonomy out in our markets. It's very important that people continue to hear the message we're trying to send. Do some people not like email? Some organizations would rather you deal face-to-face. Absolutely, I think. Have emails. Absolutely, and you've got to understand the best mechanism. And frankly, maybe it requires both, right? I think that's what we're saying in terms of over communicating. 
Um, and I've always felt it was really important to communicate positive news, not just negative news. You know, in compliance, we're so um, rightly hung up on findings or problems or things we need to take action on. We need to take the time to also give, uh, you know, credit where credit is due and speak about positive results, not just to give credit to people to, to you know, um, help them understand that we identify these positive things, but also to give a more balanced perspective about what the situation really is in the company, right. what the risk is. If you're just talking about the negative, you can seem as if the sky is falling, and, and that isn't typically the picture that you want to paint because it's typically not the truth. I think it's important for compliance people to always be emphasizing integrity. Um, we don't want to come off as preachy. We don't come off, want to come off as self-righteous in any way. But in a very um, kind of neutral way, if we're just always emphasizing and assuming integrity in terms of not just how we operate, but it, we assume that the business is going to operate with integrity as well and sending that message. Uh, we always want to ensure that we are focused on the customer. We want to do uh, a good job of explaining the risk. Um, I think our number one job in many cases is educating our business. Mm -hmm. If we just help them understand, um, all the way down to the most technical issues, what is required, um, giving them our best advice, maybe giving them options on how to accomplish something. Um, I believe in my role, certainly as the chief compliance officer, I spend most of my day educating others. Yes, asking questions and digging deeper into issues, but I'm constantly educating in terms of what the risks are, what the concerns are, and why I uh, make certain decisions that I make. Um, if you're not explaining yourself, you will absolutely achieve pushback. If you, in a, even a review report, when you're writing up findings, if you're not explaining why something is wrong and how it could be done better, um, you're really failing your business partners. Um, you're always wanting to send the message that we are all accountable, but we're also all in this together. And one of our very important roles is to be very consultative not just to always be pointing out, um, you know, errors in, in performance. Right, because we get enough of that rep anyway, right? Right. I, you know, I heard someone speaking at the Treeliant Leadership Institute once that used the term brutal consistency breeds believability, and I think that is, that's beautiful. Brutal consistency breeds believability, because I think if we can be seen as consistent partners, communicating openly, with integrity, always educating, um, I think that, that that is one way can, we can really adapt to our culture and make progress within our organizations. Um, we need to, and, and back to that point of educating, we should always be emphasizing why, you know, why you, have, why you have to do this. It's the best way to make progress with our business. Um, I think we should always be looking to avoid the us and them, regardless of what kind of culture you are in. The whole concept of us versus them whether it's compliance versus the business units, the bank versus the regulators, however you want to frame that, we never really gain ground when we act like we're on two different teams. That doesn't work in any type of culture. Kara, that really makes me think of something that someone said, which is compliance is most effective when it can be completely neutral in a political sense within the organization. Absolutely, and I, you know, we work hard to do that all the time. It's difficult, it can be very difficult, it's kind of back to the issue that I mentioned earlier about personal agendas right. and alignment between personnel. We want to be comfortable with everyone uh, to the degree we can in the bank. We want to um, not become a part 
of any particular agenda in the organization. We want to stay neutral and, and be seen as a partner to all. And I think, you know, it, it's very tempting sometimes to align yourself with certain groups that you think are going to be more helpful, with certain parts of the organization that seem to be able to get things done quicker. Um, that treat you nicely. The right, just good old-fashioned <laughs> respect. But it, it, it typically doesn't really help in the end. Okay, That's a very important point, I think. And, you know, part of that being neutral is just, again, really keeping that emotion out of it. Uh, another thing I say, and I don't say it lightly, but I say it often, is don't operate out of fear. Uh, regardless of the type of culture you're in, people will sense that. Um, it's very important to have, you know, personal courage in this work. Um, and that's a lot easier said than done. I frankly have found that to be easier and easier um, the high, the, with the higher position that I achieved because I think I always knew um, that in the end all we really have is our integrity here. That's right. So if um, I became kind of more courageous over time knowing that the stakes of compliance are higher than ever and that you know the best thing I could do for my company is to give them my honest opinion and sometimes that's received um, the, my candid opinion is sometimes received very well and with a lot of gratitude and sometimes it's more than someone wants to hear um, but I really think over time you will get a reputation for being someone that navigates your organization effectively and again has a lot of integrity and is willing to share the bad news and willing to hold people accountable. Um, I, I think you know in terms of how you manage regulatory events how you manage employees should be within the context of the organization. When I say regulatory events, how you handle things like actual communication with the regulators. You know, some organizations have certain uh, kind of rules about that, and you need to understand what's expected in your organization. If you don't agree with it, you do what you can to influence, to, to um, you know, change the perspective on that. But how you manage regulatory relations is huge. And your culture will play a role in that. You know, what's going to be the involvement, the participation of people in the regulatory process, what is deemed appropriate in your organization. And then when I mentioned managing employees, you know, within the context of your company culture, you know, there's certain ways your, your company expects you to manage and handle employees. And I think that, you know, my basic philosophy there is you, you don't try to um, outthink the people who are responsible for that. It, it's very important that you um, stay within the confines of your organization and as long, again, as your culture is healthy, that you manage employees as is expected um, you know, by your organization. Okay. Um, you know, some of the advice I give to compliance officers is you know, embrace the positive qualities that make your company successful. There, I have never worked anywhere where I thought every aspect of the culture was just lovely. I mean, right. not, of course not. not. And you know, there's, there, I talk to other compliance officers and some have you know, r true serious complaints about aspects of their culture that they believe prevents them from doing the best job that they can. But I think to the degree you can find positive qualities that make your company successful, maybe make it unique or a good place to work or to bank, I do think you have to embrace those things. At the same time, you're potentially trying to you know, influence uh, the culture in a different way. It's very important to understand the business, understand how the bank makes money, and position compliance as a way to get things done and to make money, not be a barrier to making money. Um, and it's very important to align the compliance resources 
to the business. I don't think any one way is correct, but again, I, as I've come to work at our best, I had to really kind of rethink the way I did some of those things because of the structure of this organization and the culture. I actually, it literally impacted how I made decisions around uh, how I deployed personnel on what type of projects and, and how they assisted in those relationships with those businesses. We're very much driven you know, by the way our company chooses to operate in the culture that we have. So that's really a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of challenges about adapting um, to a culture. It's very important to maintain your independence, um, even if you have maybe a more autocratic culture. Mm-hmm. You you have to maintain that independence, um, and I think you do that best by being very straightforward, very objective, very fact-based. Um, you want to be seen as part of the company, but you don't want to be seen as part of a clique. Um, what I have learned is that you know. Those that are in favor one day could be out of favor very quickly. So back to that issue of maintaining your independence and being neutral. I think handling naysayers is a particular challenge. Um, In certain cultures, you have more of those than others. Um, My best advice on that issue is to not let that fester, um, you know, to, to not ignore serious complaints and concerns and people that are really kind of stirring the pot, if you will, and having difficulty with the expectations. Um, I think that's when your best diplomatic skills come into play. You really think about how within the culture of that company you can get resources to help you, um, or maybe others, the influence of others, how you can make a difference and and get through and kind of turn some of these naysayers around. do you ever just take a direct approach with them? Very, yeah, very often I do that. And in some organizations, that's more acceptable than others. And, you know, it also depends on who they are, at what level they are, right. that kind of thing. I think, you know, you have to understand the, the culture you're in and the attitude of the people around you. Are we ready to move to number five? Sure. I think number five is about how um, a compliance officer can influence the culture. And I do think there naturally are limits. Um, to how uh, a non-revenue generating uh, part of the organization can influence culture. But certainly through our communication styles, being seen as that business partner, constantly educating. One of the ways that, um, that I have been able to influence culture is through really sharing um, examples of things that have gone wrong from a regulatory perspective at other organizations and talking about the cultural element. We always learn from examples and we are able to then you know, compare that to what goes on in our organization. Certainly the recent um, regulatory you know, chatter about sales practices and incentive compensation, we have been able to um, have that discussion and be very introspective in our organization. And, and talking about how that may or may not have ever happened in our organization has been a really good kind of test case almost for how um, culture impacted you know, the problems with that organization and how culture does or does not help us. We're going to continue with the thought that you had about the influence because I was going to ask you a question. Today, Kara, we heard that um, influencing people is best done by sharing stories with them that they can relate to. And that's kind of what you just said. Right. It's always more effective when you're talking about more of a peer. Although I will say, I do think they learn from some of the things that have happened at the large banks. I think that's actually where a compliance officer can be helpful is kind of, um, you know, comparing that to how the same problem could exist 
right. in our organization. Absolutely yeah. translating it. And I think that that can help quite a bit. I think, too, as, as your bank experiences any type of negative negativity, if you have a, something that's not going well, if you have an enforcement action, if you have MRAs that were unexpected, if you feel like you're getting unwanted attention from the regulators, I think through those negative experiences, though, really some positive changes can come out in terms of culture. When when um, we kind of look at the mistakes we've made, go we can't you know we can't believe that's happened. You know we've had that happen, and if some of the mistakes we've made, where we realize you know operationally we failed somewhere. Um, or a system failure. We say, wow, we didn't think we could have done that. We thought we were better than that. So I think all of those things translate into a kind of a more open, transparent culture that's willing to accept mistakes and then will do everything they can to rectify them. I think, you know, we just, in terms of our attitude, um, the tone, you know, we always hear the cliche comment tone at the top. There's no question, you know, we are now perceived as being part of the top. Right. So the degree to which we can set that tone as well about how we're going to very constructively, you know, conduct our business and meet regulatory expectations, that can be very helpful. I'm actually oftentimes surprised when I talk in our company how people come up and will quote me and will say, you know, gosh, thank you, I'd never thought of it that way. And I realize right there I'm just saying what I feel like needs to be said, but I'm absolutely influencing our culture and influencing our associates, hopefully for the positive. And I then think if you can be quotable as a compliance officer, you you've basically hit nirvana there. Uh, I think, I, I agree, those are always really good moments for me where I feel like my job is worthwhile. And I think one other important thing, particularly for compliance managers, chief compliance officers, is the expectations you set with your own staff people, the, the, your, your other compliance department associates. Um, the expectations that you, you set should be high. You know, I have very little tolerance for um, folks not being completely collaborative with the business. There are times, of course, we have to draw the line um, and in terms of defining you know, what is their work and what our work is, but I expect my people to bend over backwards to be collaborative, to assist, and very important for compliance people to be seen as timely. I think that's one of the biggest criticisms of, of compliance folks from business units is, you know, I want this yesterday or I need a quick answer. And it's in, we all know that common sense tells us that a lot of times that's not possible and their expectations are unrealistic. But I think, again, back to educating to the degree we can say, here's why we have to go back and research that. Here's why we're struggling with this. You've changed the scenario. Therefore, that requires additional analysis. Just expecting your employees to have that positive attitude, that helpful attitude, uh, bringing value to the business. Uh, I think by doing that and setting that example, you do influence the culture of your company. That's great. Thank you so much for all of this wonderful information. I'm just going to recap here that the five things compliance professionals need to know about their culture is to understand the culture and its impact, know the different types of cultures that you can encounter, assess your own personal culture at your institution, adapt to that culture, and influence it ultimately. To the degree you can, absolutely. Right. Well, thank you so much, Kara, for being with us today. You're very welcome. I'm glad to do it. And if you want to subscribe to our podcast, you can do that at Treliant.com. You can email me at lferrell, L-F-A-R-R-E-L-L, at Treliant.com. Or um, you can subscribe on the Apple Podcast Store or the Google Play Store. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time.